Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap for February 8th. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope you are recovering from the Super Bowl, whether that's a hangover, whether that is a bloated feeling, uh, whether that is I'm just mad the Packers aren't Super Bowl champions. Whichever way you are feeling, or maybe all three, I hope you're on the road to recovery. I know (laughs) we got a good show today before I get going. Uh, We're talking, we have a lot on the uh, plate, so hopefully we can get to all of it. We are talking why Packer fans are probably a little pissed off today after watching what the Buccaneers did to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, We'll talk about the new Packer defensive coordinator. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, MVP. Leroy Butler getting snubbed, the Bucks having a good weekend in the land, and a college hoops wrap-up for all of that. So that is a good Monday show. And like I said before I was going to give sort of the, before I gave the intro, I thought this was the year that I finally broke the code and didn't eat too much at the Super Bowl, trying to watch my weight trying to be healthy with the wedding. Um, Granted, I didn't do the things that I probably should have to make myself that. I I obviously opted for the bread at Portillo's, talking to my fiance's brother, who's a groomsman. He's like, dude, it's the Super Bowl. I was like, yeah, but I should have been a little bit better. I didn't get a workout in like I'd wanted to. And so I thought that I'd finally cracked the code where I'd have like a normal normal feeling stomach in the morning and I feel like absolute ass so <laughs> so again it's the Super Bowl remains undefeated in that in that category sometime I'll crack that code but it is not th- this time but enough about me and my personal gut health and more about the Super Bowl itself so Green Bay Packer fans watching that game had to Be thinking, this could have been us, this should have been us, why the hell isn't this us? And would the Packers have blown out the Kansas City Chiefs like the Buccaneers did? No, probably not, right? Our defense was good. I think it was underrated in a sense because everybody looked at how bad Kevin King was, how you know they sometimes couldn't get the pass rush. But if you looked at how the guys got home against Mahomes, the JPPs, Shaq Barretts, um, Devin Whites of the world, Vita Vea inside, like all of them were getting home on a regular basis against that beat up Kansas City line. If you listen to Should I Bet the Super Bowl on Friday, I told you this is exactly why I like the Bucks in this game. And I was I was spot on. I mean, you listen to that podcast and I I could not have been more right. There were only a few things that I bungled, but other than that, it was I mean, I made you a lot of money if you listen to me. Not that I expect you to. I'm not a sharp by any sense of the the word. But I could have seen the Packers defense doing similar things to Mahomes. Now, would have Mahomes maybe found Kelsey open or McCall Hardman open because they they just had that you know ability to do the playground football and the Packers might lose contain with their guys maybe, but we don't know. We that's a pure hypothetical. But I think it's clear that the Packers would have beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's what I was saying all year. If you listen to me for the last five or six weeks, I said the Packers were the best team in the NFL. I thought the Chiefs were fraudulent. I thought the Chiefs had maybe a little bit of last year's sort of shine on them. And then they go kick off, kick the Buffalo Bills' ass, 
And everyone was like, oh, my God, like, the Chiefs are back. And I had, you know, Buddy be like, they have an all-time on-off switch. And I'm like, I don't know if that plays in football. We see it in the NBA, right? We've seen LeBron do that with some of his teams. We saw the Golden State Warriors do that. And I was like, I just don't know. And it all proved true. So I always gave the Packers a shot against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yes, they had to be watching this game if they watched it. Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, uh, Devontae Adams, who said he was golfing, uh, Aaron Rodgers, any of those people had to be watching that game and saying, fuck, this team was beatable. And the Chiefs just looked not themselves the entire game. And now I don't know if it had anything to do with Andy Reid's son having the incident late in the week. I don't want to speculate that. But you have to wonder if that had something to do with it. Or the fact that the Buccaneers are kind of shitheads. And in the best way possible, but they get under your skin. And the Packers really didn't take the bait in the game against uh, Tampa last week. But Kansas City certainly did. And Chris Jones, you know, gets that penalty. And you can argue, hey, maybe that isn't a personal foul. But Carl Cheffers runs a tight ship. And now... They roughed that game entirely different in the second half. Warren Sharp pointed that out. I completely agree. It was roughed more, I think, evenly in the second half. The first half leaned on Kansas City. And it was weird because some of the fouls were penalties, right? Some of them were not. Mike Evans is, I think, I think you have to think Mike Evans is one of the more overrated receivers because he just runs into dudes and gets personal fault or uh, pass interference. And it's like, eh, Mike Evans just ran into the guy and he's just a big dude. So he's obviously going to create contact. But as pointed out by Kevin Seifert of ESPN, like can't, there were calls that made sense for Kansas City. But if you look at the night and day from Green Bay, Green Bay, Tampa to Tampa, Kansas City, and a lot of the shit that Tampa Bay wasn't getting called for and Kansas City was, it's hard to like wrap your head around it. And that's what I think so many Packer fans watching the game thought is like, well, was this just handed to Tampa Bay? Was this just, we were, are we just giving Tampa Bay this fucking trophy? Instead of actually, you know, looking at this and saying, <laughs> all right, this should be an evenly even matchup. Tampa Bay is not a disciplined team by any shape of the imagination. They've, they definitely have their own, own sort of vices there. But yeah, we weren't really calling offensive holding. Not that I saw a lot of it, but it was, it was tough. And I, I will say, yeah, the offensive holding on Kansas City was partly due to that bad offensive line and the rush that Tampa Bay was able to deliver. And I think Green Bay could have done the same thing. So the things that I think make you mad as a fan or as a Packer player is the fact that all of the things that played to Green Bay's strengths, they could have capitalized it against Kansas City and Aaron Rodgers could have a second Super Bowl. Pete Bukowski pointed out that you know Aaron Rodgers should have four Super Bowls. He should have the one... This year, he should have had 2014 when the Brandon Bostic play happened. I'd agree. Um, that Patriots team, remember, the Packers beat that Patriots team earlier in the season. Now, sometimes that means absolutely nothing, but who knows. And they, he said 2011. And I was like, ah, I mean, that Patriots team might not have been that good. But that 2011 defense sucked. Like, I, I get it. Like, he's like, yeah, you should have four. I don't know if the Packers were good enough. That they that defense, even though you don't need defense as much as you did in the 90s, 
that defense was trash. So I don't know if I'm, I'm there to say he should have four Super Bowls. I think he should have three Super Bowls for sure. He should have the one this year. He should have the one in 2014. And he should have had, he obviously has the 2010. So watching that game had to be frustrating for the Packers because they, they obviously, I hope they realize they missed the golden opportunity. I don't think this is like last year where they were they were a double not double digit they were a touchdown plus underdog against San Francisco they watched San Francisco go down to the wire with Kansas City I think we could all agree last year watching the Kansas City Chiefs that it was it was very much that they were the two best teams and I think you could make peace with that I think when the Patriots played Atlanta in the Super Bowl the Packers obviously lost that one I think you could make peace that Atlanta was the best team out of the NFC, that the Packers were definitely not that team. It, these ones are tough to swallow, the Seattle and and this one now of Tampa Bay. It's the first time the Packers have watched the NFC win the championship game or win the Super Bowl after winning the championship game. So, yeah, it's going to be one thing that fuels them all season. It's crazy the Packers and Buccaneers will not play next season. They do not see each other until the playoffs. Um, it'll be curious to see if the Chiefs have the post-Super Bowl loss curse because we've seen that a lot with teams where after teams lose the Super Bowl, they miss the playoffs. We saw it with the Rams. We saw it this year with the 49ers. Um, we'll see if the Kansas City Chiefs have that same effect or if they're just Superman and they're, they're just unbeatable. But it'll be an interesting year for the Chiefs upcoming. And I don't know contract-wise – Buccaneers are going to have a lot of their guys back. They're just going to be reloaded, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. The last thought I had on this is, I saw a little bit of Jason Wildey's commentary about, you know, they, you know, they helped out a veteran. They got Gronk, they got AB, they got Leonard Fournette, and basically, I thought Wildey was kind of trolling. He does that from time to time. Like, no, no big deal. Like, I'm not trying to accuse Jason. I don't want him to get all sensitive on me, but like. He was probably trying to kind of fish for engagement there. And I, I kind of push back on it because I feel like Tampa Bay is a unique situation. I know everybody's going to bang the drum. All the pinheads out there are going to be like, Tampa Bay fucking paid for their Super Bowl. Like, why can't we? Why can't we? Well, first of all, we are a draft and develop organization, okay? We right now are over the cap as is. Like, we're th- we might be $30 million over the cap. So that's a problem in its own right, right? We have to figure that out first. Second of all, Tampa Bay is a unique situation. Tampa Bay decided to go out and get Tom Brady, okay? Once Tampa Bay decided to go get Tom Brady, Tom Brady then convinced Rob Gronkowski to come out of retirement and say, all right, Rob- Gronk, you're coming out of retirement. There's no way that Green Bay would be able to convince Gronk to come out of retirement. Gronk has no relationship to the Packers. No, you know, the only equivalent might be Jordy Nelson, but Jordy Nelson was washed. People forget that, but Jordy Nelson was washed up when he was done. Like, there's no way that Jordy Nelson, you add him to this year's roster, makes it so much better. Antonio Brown. Yeah, the Packers could have added Antonio Brown. I know that many people advocated for Antonio Brown. But here's the thing. Antonio Brown wanted to play in Florida. Antonio Brown wanted to play for Tampa Bay. He wanted to play for Tom Brady. With Tom Brady, they have a weird friendship. I don't know. It's it's odd. They live together, I guess. Um, you know, that's, that's what Antonio Brown wanted to do. I don't think the Packers, A, had that, there wasn't that relationship. There wasn't that, there wasn't a 
I think, a push from Aaron Rodgers to go get Antonio Brown. It wasn't like Randy Moss in 2007 where Aaron Rodgers was openly talking about his need for Antonio Brown. Aaron Rodgers never did that. I don't know what would have changed if Aaron Rodgers would have pushed that button, if Aaron Rodgers would have said, hey, I need I need Antonio Brown, and he said it to the media. I have no idea. Leonard Fournette, you could argue, yeah, maybe they should have brought him in, but they have a fucking stacked running back group. Like They have Aaron Jones. They have A.J. Dillon. They have Jamal Williams. I mean, had, like hypothetically speaking, Jamal Williams tore his ACL and was out for the year, could have the Packers looked at Fournette? Yeah, maybe. But it's one of those things where I, you know, I don't know. I thought Daniel Jeremiah, to wrap this up, said it best. Daniel Jeremiah said this. He said three things to take away from this game. Invest in your offensive line. Yes, Packers have. And I think this, to me, reinforces why Green Bay should get a, get a tackle in the draft uh, in the first round. But that's another topic for another time. Number two, invest in fast linebackers. Again, I think Green Bay has two good linebackers. Um, oh, that was another thing. I don't want to go into a rabbit hole, but this idea that like Devin White grows on a tree is fucking ridiculous. Guy was a top five pick. You want Devin White? Fucking be three and 13 in a year. But anyways, um, you get fast linebackers. Yes, Green Bay probably needs to get one more kind of rover rangy type linebacker on their team. Jabril Cox, holler at me. Um, and then number three, um, will take, always take a chance on former top five picks because they always have the talent. And that was, they had picked up Sue, they picked up Leonard Fournette. And, and yeah, that's, that's very true. If you can take a flyer on a top five guy, you're always going to have that chance. And I think that's why there's so many people interested in Sam Darnold right now, because it's that exact same reason. The talent's there. It's just a matter of, was he in a shitty situation? Moving on to Green Bay having a new defensive coordinator. So Joe Barry is the new defensive coordinator for the Packers. If you follow me on social media, so tap WI on both uh, Twitter and Instagram, I did a review of, of Barry's hiring. I was not happy with it. I called it uninspired. I called it, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur helping out his buddy. I was pretty critical of it. And sometimes with those reviews, you it's an immediate reaction. And I remember reacting to the Jordan Love pick and absolutely hating it. And I didn't wasn't doing reviews at the time, but I think if I were, it would have been night and day about how I felt about Jordan Love by the end of the weekend. And I'm not, I'm still on edge about Joe Barry. I'm not going to lie to you that Joe Barry to me does feel uninspired. It does feel like Matt LaFleur was hiring a friend so Matt LaFleur could have a little more control on defense. That's me talking without knowing, but I think it's LaFleur trying to kind of exert more of a defensive mindset, his defensive mindset with a guy like Joe Barry. So because of that, I am a little concerned about the Packer defense and Barry is not going to get any leeway, which is unfair to him, but that's how it goes because he was a terrible Terrible defensive coordinator. Now you can argue that the reason he was a terrible defensive coordinator is because he lacked talent. He did not have the talent that is required to win football games. And those that those teams in Detroit and in Washington were not very good. And you could say, well, Barry also has made an impression with Sean McVay and Brandon Staley. Like, they wanted him on staff at both places. Sean McVay bumped him up to an assistant head coach. 
Like, there were people who really liked Joe Barry around the NFL. He seems like a good guy. Now, sometimes that can only go so far. We see this a lot in college basketball, right? We see this with Steve Wojciechowski right now if you're a Marquette fan, where you're a good guy, everybody likes you, but you're you're not good at your job. And just because everybody likes you doesn't mean that it, it translates into being a, a good coach. So while I appreciate some of the positives about Brady and I can, or Brady, Barry, I could get down with them. Uh, I still am, I'm still hesitant. Like I'm still skeptical. I'm not, I'm not entirely there with Joe Brady. I'm not going to like completely flame this guy after week one. I'm going to at least be a diligent Packer fan and give it a quarter of the season. And we'll see where we are with the defense. We'll see where we are with the offense. And it'll also depend on the games. Like if the Packers' schedule is front-loaded and they're facing four top offenses to start the year, then Joe Barry's going to be at a massive disadvantage. You know, what if the Packers start out with something like they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, who could potentially be on the table, by the way. If you if you don't know, they're Green Bay's 17th team if Goodell decides to go with a 17-game season. I doubt that he will, but you never know. Um, that's <laughs> that's just one of those things where you're like, I don't know. It's probably going to happen. Goodell's been saying, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a thing. But, you know, they could start out their season playing Arizona, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Seattle, maybe Pittsburgh, San Francisco, like – all those teams that are in there. I mean, Packers have a really hard schedule next year. Don't get it twisted. On paper, they do. I mean, it could look very different when they're actually playing it. But they could have just this this really tough hill to climb early. And then we judge Joe Brady differently than looking at the bigger picture and saying, well, maybe Joe Brady is you know a little bit better than we think because of the you know they'll get a stretch where they're playing some bad teams. Um, but it, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of bad teams on Green Bay's schedule. It's really the Lions twice, maybe the Vikings twice, and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's it right now. We'll see what it looks like come come fall. It could be much different. Aaron Rodgers, the MVP. That is our next topic. So not a ton there, right? Aaron Rodgers, the MVP. You guys know that. You know that he was going to be it. I think looking back on our thoughts about Aaron Rodgers and the MVP quarterway through the season, you know, Mitch and I talked about it on Tapping the Keg and sort of saw that Aaron Rodgers has a path here and we were on it early and yeah, we're homers. So we're obviously going to say that, but it just speaks to the season that Aaron Rodgers had. I know there were a lot of haters uh, to Aaron Rodgers' season. Oh, he had all these short touchdowns. I'd argue, how the fuck do you think they got down to the goal line? Do you think that they just kind of magically appeared at the one-yard line and Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown? He got him there with his passing. He did not. And obviously Aaron Jones too. But you know, Aaron Rodgers deserves this MVP season. And whether Aaron Rodgers says it or not, Jordan Love lit a fire under his ass. Jordan Love made him sort of who he is now. And Jordan Love deserves credit for that MVP trophy. Aaron Rodgers also, I think, 
deserves it himself for kind of recentering his life and thinking more positively than negatively. And I, I think all of that matters. And I think there's a lot as a person you can take away from Rogers winning that MVP about how kind of manifesting and, you know, really thinking on the bright side of things can lead to greatness. And Aaron Rodgers showed how he can be great again and it's going to it's going to be interesting to see if this continues where it'll be interesting to see if this is not a one-year blip I don't know I have no idea what is coming down the pipeline for Rodgers you could tell me a hundred different things like what if Rodgers gets his contract restructured the Packers trade Jordan Love and then Aaron Rodgers suddenly transforms to like the quarterback he was in 2017 or 2016 I don't think that would happen. I really don't. I think Aaron Rodgers is fueled by Tom Brady. I think there's no way Aaron Rodgers will be ever considered as good as Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady has gotten a lot of luck and Tom Brady has gotten some really good defense. But Aaron Rodgers will always be sort of the Peyton Manning to Tom Brady. Tom Brady's first rival was Peyton Manning. Manning had all the stats. Manning had a lot of accolades. But when it came down to Super Bowls, Tom Brady had more. Now Manning was able to get a second one in the twilight of his career when he was barely a quarterback. I mean, Manning was as good as Trent Dilfer was when the Ravens won their Super Bowl in the 90s. So I'm not re- you know, really ready to crown Peyton Manning in that sense. So can he get past, I think, Brett Favre? I think that's also, too, the motivation is now you look at it and you say, all right, I have three MVPs just like Brett. I have one Super Bowl just like Brett. I think he's already broken a lot of his Packer records because of, you know, just the way they pass the football. I haven't looked at it recently, but how can I make myself the best Packer quarterback of all time? It would be winning another Super Bowl because you win another Super Bowl. You're right on par with Bart Starr. If you win a third Super Bowl, then you're past Bart Starr. And then I think you're you're already going to get your number retired. But I think then it's a real conversation that it could be Rodgers, Favre and Starr or Rodgers, Starr and Favre. I don't know. I think that there would be a lot of love for what Aaron did. But he's a perennial playoff you know, contender. They always get there. They, he's only missed the playoffs t- three times in his career, once being his rookie year. I think Favre has a similar similar resume. So now it's probably more about how do I put myself on a little bit of the even playing field with Tom Brady past a guy like Drew Brees or Ben Roethlisberger, how do I sort of elevate myself? I elevate myself by winning another championship. And I think that is the motivation for next season if if you are looking for it for Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think Jordan Love is, is that. I do think they're going to restructure his contract. I don't know if it'll mean trading Jordan Love. Maybe. Maybe you take advantage of a team who... What maybe it's like Houston. Maybe they traded Deshaun Watson and they have all these picks now and they're like, hey, do you want Jordan Love to kind of restart your franchise? Sure, we'll take Jordan Love. Or we missed out on on Sam Darnold or Carson Wentz and Jordan Love is a you know a worthwhile guy to have on your team. Maybe Philadelphia, you look at it and you say, hey, adding Jordan Love with Jalen Hurts, that's quite the one-two combination of young quarterbacks. You know, who who knows? Who knows what will happen with Jordan Love? I think if you were to ask me in fall, who's on the roster from a quarterback perspective? I think it's Aaron Rodgers. I think it's Tim Boyle. And I think it's a rookie quarterback they draft in the sixth or seventh round. 
yeah, I think Jordan Love's getting traded this offseason. So that's my first offseason prediction. I will, I'm sure we'll have many as the year goes on. Really quickly, uh, to talk about Leroy Butler, Leroy Butler, excuse me. Leroy Butler, I have no idea how he's not a Hall of Famer. You look at what John Lynch did, you look at what Steve Atwater did, and Butler's numbers are better than both of them. It's a fucking disgrace that Butler isn't part of the Hall of Fame, and the Hall of Fame continues to be a joke. And the Hall of Fame continues to get guys who are more popular just in general. And it's more of a popularity contest. And we talk all the time about how baseball's Hall of Fame is broken and how baseball Hall of Fame is doing itself a disservice because they have guys in there that are, you know, not in there actually, who were steroid users or potential steroid users. And they keep them out because it's this weird responsibility bullshit. And I think it just speaks to the fact that we need to get writers out of the full hall of fame vote in general like not just not just with uh baseball but with football and it just does not need to be entirely writers that it should be a group of people writers and media it should be high level executives it should be former players that are hall of famers and those should be the group of people that decide the hall of fame Now, Charles Woodson got in. That's great. Charles Woodson deserves it. He's as good as it was from a defensive player. He's one of the reasons that Green Bay won a Super Bowl in 2010. It was one of Ted Thompson's best signings. They could have had another one with Chuck. I know he doesn't like getting called Chuck, so I apologize. But Seawood was the man. And Charles Woodson is as good of a Packer as we've had in the last 20 years. He had a Reggie White-like impact. To me, I would retire Charles Woodson's number. He should definitely be in the ring of honor. Maybe not a number retired, but he should be among the greats around Lambeau Field. I don't know if that's planned. I know they plan to put him in the Packer Hall of Fame. They were going to do it this year, or last year, excuse me, but because of COVID, they pushed it back, him and Al Harris. They've pushed it back again because obviously COVID is still a thing. Um, It's still hard to get fans out at these sort of things and they want to have fans there. So Charles Woodson will not only go into the actual Hall of Fame, but he'll also go into the Packer Hall of Fame. And I think he deserves to be in Lambeau because he is among the greatest that have played with the Packers of the last 20 or 30 years. And I know, I don't know, they don't really go in as a certain guy. Like it's not baseball where they wear a certain Jersey. Their bust is their bust. And I don't know if you asked Charles Woodson if you're having a glass of wine with him. I think his wines are like 21 pines or something like that. If you're having a, a, a glass of red with him and you're asking him like, hey, if you had to choose, would you go in as a Packer or would you go in as a Raider? I think he would still say Raiders. I, as much as like I like love him and think that he was such a loyal Packer and he is a Packer for life, no question about it. I still think he probably goes in as a Raider, probably because he came back in the final couple of years to play with Oakland that, you know, it, it was like he signed with Oakland to kind of do this homecoming thing, had a couple good years actually in like the very twilight of his career. So that's probably why, but who knows? I don't know what he would say if, if asked. He would obviously in public would avoid the question be like, I love both teams, man. Like I have no, I have no like either way. But if you were with him, bottle of wine, maybe he would give you, let you kind of in on that secret. 
All right, let's move on to the NBA. So you had the Milwaukee Bucks get on the right foot on their road trip with two dominating wins against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Milwaukee Bucks won by double digits in both games. Um, Really impressive stuff from Milwaukee, both on Friday and Saturday night. Giannis Antetokounmpo continued his hot streak on the week. It'll be interesting to see if maybe he notches a player of the week uh, honor from the NBA. He had 24-11-5 on Saturday. He had 32-11 on on Friday. So, I mean, Giannis was all over it. They had no answer for him. Jared Allen, uh, Andre Drummond, bad matchups. We wondered about that on Friday, if that was gonna they were going to be able to contain onto the Kumbo. They were not. Um, really good night from Chris Middleton on Saturday. He kind of struggled on on uh, Friday. So that was good to see Chris Middleton bounce back. Bryn Forbes has been a revelation. Bryn Forbes keeps making threes. He had six threes on Friday and I, or on Saturday. And then on Friday, I think he had a few threes in that game too. Oh, he only made one on Friday. But he had six threes on Friday and, or Saturday. And some on Bucks Twitter are pushing for Bryn Forbes to be a starter over Dante DiVincenzo. I actually think it's a good move. I think Bryn Forbes and Giannis work well together. I wonder if that adjustment is going to happen. This is a big week for the Bucs in the regular season. And now you play Denver tonight, which we'll talk about a lot on Tuesday's show. You play Phoenix on Wednesday, and you play Utah on Friday. Those are all really tough opponents. And then you play Oklahoma City on Sunday. So those are three out of four really good opponents. I mean, Utah, Phoenix, and Denver are all West Western Conference playoff teams. I think the Bucs against the West this year have, I don't think, I don't know if they've won against the West this year. Let me pull that up. But they've kind of struggled and they've struggled at Denver. Jokic has been a real issue against the Bucs in the past. So we'll see if the Bucs have any adjustments with their new sort of style with Giannis being in the post more often. Is he going to be able to kind of affect what Nikola Jokic has done. The Bucks are actually three and three against the West. I forgot they've had a couple wins against the West, so they're three and three. That record is actually one of the better ones in the Eastern Conference. The only one, only team with a better record is the Brooklyn Nets at five and three. The Indiana Pacers do have five wins against the West, but they also have six losses. So the Bucks doing all right when it comes to their Western Conference rivals. We'll see if they're able. To, to get two out of three here. I think if you're able to beat the Nuggets and Suns on Monday and Wednesday night, then it's a house money game against the Jazz. We talk about house money all the time. For those who are just listening now, it's basically the concept that you basically can win or lose and it really doesn't matter. That this is kind of a, yeah, if you win, fucking awesome. If you lose, no one's crying over it. Uh, but you beat those two teams I and then you have a that point your road trip you'd be 4 and 0 and you'd be headed to Utah and Oklahoma City and worst case you're 4 and 2. I think you'd be a little bummed losing to Oklahoma City cuz they're one of the worst teams. Although they are scrappy. They're a scrappy team. Like don't get me wrong. Like the Thunder are a scrappy bunch. So don't don't take the Thunder lightly who the Bucks have next week. But I think we all are really enjoying what we're seeing from the Bucks. They've made a move on their net rating. They're, they're right now the best team in the NBA from a net rating perspective. I don't know if I, I'm going there yet that the Bucks are there, but they've made some real solid adjustments to work Giannis more in the post, to have Giannis more as a pick and roller, to have Giannis as a assist man 
and making sure that things are being worked through him in the post and more of that inside-out game. And that's stuff that the Bucks fans have been clamoring for. And Mike Boonholzer saw it on tape and made those adjustments after that disastrous weekend in New Orleans and Charlotte. And Boonholzer and his staff deserve a ton of credit. So for those who had their pitchforks against Budenholzer, kind of need to look at that and say, maybe I don't need to raise those every time the Bucks lose. And so things are going well for Milwaukee. It's just a question of how are you going to do this week? If you lose two out of three to Phoenix, Denver, and Utah, are we going to look and say, well, maybe they're just not there yet. They're getting close, but they're not there yet. Maybe, but it's the NBA, right? And anything can happen. You never know. Um, I mean, fuck. The Lakers went to double overtime with the Detroit Pistons uh, on Saturday night. like, And they have no business being in double overtime with the Detroit Pistons, but they were. So basketball's crazy like that. And I'm not going to, you know, the Bucs could win all three games this week and then lose to Oklahoma City. Would we be mad about that? I don't know. I don't know how fans would, would react to that because I would probably say, eh, you know, last game of the road trip, that's tough. The mental mental stuff, you're going home to your family. You're finally seeing them for the first time in like two weeks and that affects you, but who knows? So yeah, the Bucks in Denver tonight, it's going to be a great game. 8.30 start for those who are wondering. I will definitely watch. We'll probably, we'll either do the podcast late tonight or we'll do it in the morning, uh, depending on how I'm feeling after the Bucks nuggets game. Um, that'll be a good one though. Good test for Milwaukee. I think you have to like Milwaukee a little bit more against Denver just for the Drew Holiday factor against Jamal Murray because it's going to just have to be Jokic. And if they, we saw on Saturday, they relied on Jokic. Jokic had 50 points, and they still lost to Sacramento. Sacramento, by the way, kind of getting hot right now. Sacramento, Houston, New Orleans playing well. I mean, there, there are a few teams that are, that are cooking. In the East, we don't really have that. Just the East is just the East. For the Bulls trade the bar the Bulls the net the Knicks traded for Derrick Rose. Bulls legends never die. All right, really quickly on the college hoops front. Uh we had a losing weekend in the state of Wisconsin yet again. We had the Wisconsin Badgers get blown out by Illinois. I was doing a Zoom with my guy Doze, who's I think the biggest Badger fan I know. And kind of talked to him about the game, and he was like, yeah, those teams with those big bodies, we struggle against. And we kind of struggle, you know, in terms of getting into the paint against those teams. And that's exactly what happened. Doe's kind of knew it right away. Actually, when Doe said it, I actually invested in in Illinois minus four on Saturday morning because I was like, you know what? He does not feel confident in this. And I actually thought the Badgers had a good shot just with how bad Illinois is at defending the three. But turns out that was not the case. And now I'm wondering, are the Badgers just a good team and not a great team? Are we not there with the Badgers? That Has the Badgers shown us anything to say, hey, this team is an elite program in not only the Big Ten, but in the NCAA? They have the experience to lead a deep turning run, but anytime the Badgers have played someone that's a step up, they have lost this year. And so that to me is really hard to wrap my brain around and say, this Badger team is one that should be considered for the Final Four. I don't know if I can do it. Could I consider them for the Sweet 16? Sure. But I do think there is a a line of diminishing returns. And we saw it against Illinois this week. We saw it against Ohio State two weeks ago. 
it just seems like Wisconsin is not that good of a team. They're not a great team. They're a good team. They're just not a great team. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think Badger fans should temper their expectations. This team is just a little bit less than what, what people might have expected heading into this season. As for Marquette, you know, same same song and dance. You know, they played Creighton well in the first half, and then things kind of fell off the rails. They probably did a little bit too much in the th- shot a little bit too much from the outside. Marquette, for some reason, God knows why, Marquette wanted to show off that they were a three-point shooting team and shot 29 threes instead of taking it into the lane. You look at this. This is where you're like, okay, here's coaching at its its finest. You were tw- nine of twenty nine from three pointer three point range, thirty one percent inside the paint. Marquette was fifteen of twenty three. So wouldn't you just hammer the paint? Wouldn't you just say fuck the three and start taking it to the lane? I sure as fuck would, but Marquette did not do that. Marquette did not. Did not sort of show that. I did like Jose Perez over Samir Torrance. That was a nice little addition. I thought Jose played all right in the small minutes he had. Same with Greg Elliott. I think the combination of Greg Elliott and Jose Perez were nice. Not having Justin Lewis at 100% has really hurt Marquette recently. But yeah, they they kind of fell apart after got out to a 31-25 to lead. It kind of went downhill from there. Creighton got on a big run to end the first half, and they continued it into the second half. Creighton obviously is better than Marquette, but Marquette just could have, could have kind of took this game by the horns. They didn't, and that's kind of been par for the course, and it's yet another loss, and I'm waiting for the, the Jeff Goodman, the Gary Parrish of the world to say, oh, Steve Wojcicki kind of on a hot seat. Hasn't happened yet. I'm hopeful that it's going to happen sooner rather than later because it's definitely needed. Now Marquette, 9 and 10 on the year. They will go to Villanova on Saturday, on Wednesday, which I believe is a makeup game from a COVID game earlier this year. That's going to be a bloodbath. It's not going to be pretty. I know Villanova lost St. John's, but St. John's has actually been really fucking good the last basically month of the season and maybe have played their way into the tournament. So I really like what St. John's has been doing. So I kind of throw that out for Villanova. Uh, we saw what they already did to Marquette right before Christmas. I shudder to think what's going to happen on Wednesday night when the when the Golden Eagles take on the Cats. But that will be for another podcast and for another time. That wraps us up today. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, we will talk probably Bucks Nuggets. See if there's any other Packer fall. Maybe we'll find out if Aaron Rodgers is in fact engaged to Shalen Woodley, although it looks likely. Um, fun week this week. We'll do tapping the keg. We also may have a special guest on one daily tap. Uh, something that I have been thinking about, uh, but wanting to do a little bit more from an interview perspective. And so we'll uh, maybe talk to one of our our friends uh, who's promoted something, and we'll kind of chop it up about not only his career as well as you know sports because that's what we do we talk sports so all right stay tuned for that we'll uh we'll catch you guys all this week all right see you bye